is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 427, recorded on Tuesday, March 26, 2019. All right, all right, all right. It sure is. Jason, how's your day going? So far, it's pretty good, Chris. How about you? Uh, my day's okay, too. My day is okay. Um, we have a longer-than-usual episode to talk about today. Okay. I don't know if you noticed, but it was a 90-minuter. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> That's the that's the be the uh, benefit of, you know, not watching it kind of in real time with oh fifty seven like minutes that. yeah okay so I got fifty seven minutes instead of forty four right so you got you got some bonus Walking Dead this week and that means there's going to be bonus podcast this week because it'll probably take us longer to talk about it ah uh, so that's why my timing was off I was like oh I should be finished this episode uh, long before. Uh, recording time because I was watching it a second time just before we started recording this and I had timed it so that I would have about 15 minutes between finishing the episode and recording and the episode ended I'm like holy shit we got to start recording (laughs) well that's the reason right there that's the reason well there you go so I mean without further ado I think we should jump right in the clam before what that makes no sense Ah, the calm before. The calm before. And the very agitated, you sank my battleship. The calm before the jelly. No, the, the ice cream. No, no, the, 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 the weather warning. No, no, oh, the calm before something. Thank you very much, Lee in St. Catharines, uh, Trucker Jim, Dan in Plain, North Plainfield, New Jersey, and also Daniel on the internet. Nice. The clam before. I like that one. Yeah, the clam before. I mean, you definitely don't want the clam after. <laughs> yeah, that'd be horrible. <laughs> that really would. Uh, yeah, good good stuff on the title reads. Oh, this... no, sorry. I was thinking the clap. You don't want the clap after. No, right? you, don't, you don't want that after either. <laughs> okay. Before is fine. I guess. Season 9, episode 15, The Calm Before. Thanks, you guys, for those title reads. Um, So we start this episode, Jason, with some new people in the forest killing zombies. Nikki and Paolo. Well, kind of, although they last even less amount of time (laughs) on this show than Nikki and Paolo lasted on Lost. That's true. Turns out this is Hilda and Miles. Nice. Two new characters. And what we're actually seeing here is them back in the past just as they discover the Hilltop community. So they congratulate each other on their anniversary and they, you know, they see the Hilltop from a distance. Then we immediately jump five years in the future. They're now members of the community. And Hilda brings Miles a little H token that she's made out of wood for their fifth anniversary. So I think we're five years, maybe roughly in the future now. Right, yeah, hunk of wood. A hunk of wood because it's your... Uh, wood anniversary, right? That's right, yeah. Uh, so, you know, they talk about what does the H mean, and he says hilltop or home, and, uh, you know, they agree that it's a, a symbol of hope, H for hope, which is something that everybody needs more of. Or happy. Well, it could be anything, it, really, but they settle on hope. Yeah, they do. They do. It, yeah, it could be a lot of things. They, you know, a lot of words starts with, starts with the letter H. 
uh, uh, many, many do. I'm sure we could sit here listing some, but uh, let's stick with hope. Yeah, well, we'll st- that's a that's a topic for a different podcast. <laughs> Probably. Letters that start words that start with the letter H. <laughs> dot com. <laughs> that might be out there. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and then we, you know, so we see them celebrate while well, well, talking about their anniversary, and we jump ahead again, and now they're packing up to head out for the fair with two other guys from the hilltop, and they say that the rest of the group are a day ahead of them, so they got to get going. And then cut to a scene of destruction, and we see Hilda's dead body lying on the ground, sadly, overturned cart, everything's destroyed, and Alpha kneels over her and starts scalping her, taking yeah. her hair off. Yeah, she's got such pretty hair. She does have very... You want to just leave that lion on the ground. No, well, Alpha has a specific need for it, but... Um, I figured she was going for the face. I thought maybe she was like going to deface this uh, this nice lady and uh, use it. It's like, well, you already got a face. Why do you need another face? Yeah, at this moment, um, I, I sort of thought the same thing too, because that's what we know about the Whisperers. They take faces off of dead people and wear them. Uh, but she had a very specific goal in mind with just getting sort of the scalp and the hair of this woman. Right. So um, all the while Alpha's doing this, she is singing the Lydia song to herself which we heard back um, at the backstory for Alpha, right? That's the song she used mm-hmm. to sing to Lydia. And, you know, as she's cutting her hair off, the camera pans down and all the little H tokens have been spilled all over the ground because Hilda had a whole box full of them. That's just crappy. And that doesn't start with the letter H. Uh, no, it doesn't. She didn't make any C tokens. She only made H tokens. That's right. They reminded me of, uh, what are those things called? Pogs? Or Porg? No, Porgs a are from pog? Star Wars. Pogs. A Pog know, is... Pogs. Yeah. She, she's making H-Pogs, right? That, that pog, are Pogs still a thing? Your kids don't collect Pogs, do they? No, they don't. I don't know if they're still a thing. Okay. I, well, I, moving on. I have a feeling they're not. Um, Victor, in Rio Verde, Brazil, wrote, Holy crap, I just love the episode, but I don't understand why they would introduce new characters in the opening just to kill them immediately. Don't you think it would be more shocking to start the episode with the death of an existing character such as Luke, Gabriel, or any other secondary character? What do you think, Jason? We needed characters that people at the fair wouldn't know, ultimately. So it couldn't be Gabriel because everybody would know who he is. They had to pretend to be uh people or she had to pretend to be a person that uh, uh, that not a lot of people would know. They're only known to the hilltop. Right. And uh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I sort of agreed with Victor at first, but you hit the nail on the head. We needed people that, that were unknowns to most of the rest of the characters. Um, but then Alpha wouldn't know that, right? Uh, yeah, I get So maybe it's a, as a story, we needed those, but Alpha didn't pick them because of that. She just like, oh, here's some people in a cart. I'm going to attack them and take their hair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, does it have anything to do, does it help Alpha's case that these people left a day late and like everyone else was already there? I mean, I guess that doesn't change the fact that people have to not know them, but maybe she knew that somehow. Could she have? I don't think so. Not unless Enid was a spy, but I'm pretty sure she's not at this point. <laughs> well, you know what? That may came up. That may come up later. <laughs> it may. It might. We'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, just to get back to what Victor was saying, I I do kind of think that 
had this been a known character, it certainly would have been a much more surprising start to the episode. But it makes more sense that these were unknowns. And kind of as soon as you see them, you're like, well, I guess we know what's about to happen with these people. Yeah, as soon as they got in their uh, their 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 carriage, I was like, yeah, they're to they're toast, they're done. Like, there's no way they can even make it to the fair. No, no, they're not going to make it there. I didn't expect them to die in the next shot, but uh, I expected them to die soon. Right. So that was surprising, at least. Right. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, just quickly before we move on, we got a call here from our friend designer Will. Holy crap! Did you see that cold open? A well-executed, completely self-contained, short episode that was both gut-wrenching and disturbing and shocking. And that was going to be my holy crap. And then it got overshadowed by everything else. Right. Thank you, Will. I think he makes a great point, though, that we got in a really short amount of time just enough about these characters to sort of understand them, feel a little bit for them. And ultimately feel sad about their demise. Yeah. And then you had, uh, you know, it was nice that they used anniversaries as the, uh, as the, the, the touchstones for the, uh, for getting to know these characters. Happy anniversary. We found this place. Happy anniversary. Uh, we're here. We're happy. Happy anniversary. Let's go to the fair. Happy anniversary. We're dead. Yeah. It's. But I even mean, though, you know, the going to the fair and the, uh, uh, the dead is still the same anniversary. Yeah. Uh, but but I bet that worked. I mean, it worked to show us the very quick passage of time. And, you know, an anniversary is usually something that's a notable and special between a couple. So yep, that's that, it gave us just enough to be like, hey, look at these nice people. Oh, they're dead. I feel bad for them. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. And I did feel bad for them. I did, too. I did, too. Getting murdered on your anniversary on the way to the fair. That's just sad. It's very, very sad. Absolutely. Well, we go to the opening credits and get back to the episode. We're at uh, the kingdom. Ezekiel is giving a speech from a balcony to open the fair. He's doing it. I didn't notice before that the name of this theater that uh, King Ezekiel inhabits as his throne room slash the movie theater slash whatever is called the post theater, I, which is like post apocalypse theater. I guess. It after, could be. The, after the thing. Yeah. So I, I didn't notice that before, but I noticed it this episode. Interesting. I have I didn't notice that either. It's a good name for a theater, the post-theater, and it, it applies is? to the fact that we are post-apocalypse. That's right. Good stuff. Well, he's given his speech from up there, and he talks about Rick's desire to strengthen the bonds between the communities. He mentions Rick and Carl. He mentions Jesus and how he brought them all together a long time ago, and I found it a very inspirational speech, you know, about bridging the communities and uniting everyone for a common good, all those sorts of things. And then in a in a sort of comedic moment, Jerry steps up to release some doves and gets the name of the fair wrong. They laugh about it. And uh, that officially well, opens the fair. It's not wrong, wrong. It's just not, not as wrong, not as correct as it could have been. <laughs> Jerry, we changed that. Oh, for exactly. real? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not wrong. He's just out of date. He's right? he's not. He doesn't have all the latest information. Yeah. There so you it's, go. It's not completely wrong. It's just not that correct. Yeah, of course. Well, the fair has officially begun. Everybody can get down to business trading and learning from each other. And uh, it's going to be a great day, Jason. It's going to be, tis, a, tis. Going to be a great day. 
Uh, Ezekiel sees Carol over by the gate, so he goes to her. She's looking very confused. Um, and she tells him that she's heading out to look for Henry. But lo and behold, just then, Daryl, Dog, Connie, Michonne, Henry, and Lydia show up. Yay! Dog brought his crew here. He did. I mean, we knew they were on the way. Uh, they are just a little bit behind schedule due to all the stuff that happened. And here they are. So Carol doesn't have to go out to search for her son. Wouldn't it be funny if the, uh, uh, if Alpha and the, uh, the Whispers ran into these people and killed them? And then for some reason, Lydia showed up at the, this doesn't make sense from the storyline point of view, but <laughs> say they killed them and she took Daryl's hair and showed up and said, I'm Daryl. And everybody <laughs> like, what do you mean you're Daryl? <laughs> you're not Daryl. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you're not Daryl. <laughs> yeah. I suppose that wouldn't work. At well, all. I guess I guess what I'm saying is that uh there's lots of people wandering around out there. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, people coming and going to the fair, right? There's like a lot of people going to the fair and it's just it's lucky that uh Alpha picked somebody that nobody at the fair knew. Yeah, right, it's, to pick a new a, a new character, a new person. Whereas, uh, if they could have, she could have accidentally picked somebody that everybody knew, and right. wore their hair. And it's like, well, why are you wearing Michonne's hair? I don't understand. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, she did. I mean, either she just got lucky, or somehow she knew to pick someone that was a little less conspicuous that only hilltop people would know. I mean, it still doesn't explain how anyone else at the hilltop didn't look at you know, alpha in disguise later and go like, you're not Hilda. Well, the thing is that she didn't really, did she say her name was Hilda? Uh, no, she didn't say, I don't believe she said it to anyone in, while she was in disguise. No, we only know that was Hilda because we knew Hilda at the beginning. Uh, well, one of the advantages that, uh, alpha has and the whispers have in this situation is that this fair is meant to bring these communities together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, her showing up with this blonde hair to everybody else, she's from, uh, she's from the hilltop from people from the hilltop. She's from Alexandria, right? Right. It's a bunch of people that other people may or may not know. So showing up, she can just be anonymous. She can kind of be anyone she wants. Yeah. She doesn't specifically have to pretend to be a specific person. She no. just has to be why she chose to, I guess she just needed somebody's hair. Uh, and, and, you know, this lady had pretty hair, Hilda had pretty hair. So she took that instead of like just carving it off a zombie that would probably have hair. I suppose it needed, it needed to look like living person hair. Anyways, we're she's such a- an evil, she's such an evil person that she probably would turn to somebody uh, that is a whisper and go, you know what? I need your hair. So... <laughs> I'm going to kill you yeah, and take your scalp instead of just going, you know what, let's just make a wig out of your hair and uh, shave your head rather than murdering you. But she very well, that's completely within her character to kill one of her own people to get their hair. So I think that, okay, I'm coming around here and I'm just, it's mostly a stream of consciousness, consciousness kind of thing. But she murders these people on the way to the fair because she wanted to murder these people on the way to the fair. And after that, she goes, you know what, I'm going to take this lady's hair. I got an idea. So it's not part of, like, the plan wasn't hatched necessarily before the murder. Yeah, I mean, you could be right about that, but it seems like it was. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. I think maybe. <laughs> um, right. But, it, you know, it's all, it's all good. Um, so everyone comes back. They greet each other. Carol and Ezekiel and Henry, an emotional return. And Henry promises not to run away again, which is probably important. Uh, Carol greets Daryl, 
Um, Ezekiel greets Michonne. They're happy to see each other. And Carol sees Judith for the first time in years, apparently, and barely yep. recognizes her. She asks if Judith remembers them. And I just love the way Carol's voice kind of broke a little bit when, when she asks, is this Judith? It was great. It was really, really touching, I thought. Yeah. Uh, Judith remembers them and comments on Carol's long hair, which was also very cute. So this whole scene I thought was really nice just to see these people who apparently haven't seen each other in years come back together and, and reunite a little bit. Mm-hmm. Of course, Tara approaches and she sees Lydia, which she is obviously upset by. Um, but Michonne says, you know what, guys, we got a lot to talk about. We do. Let's get together. Let's powwow. Right. Exactly. Let's have a powwow. In the theater, where the king sits, representatives from all the communities, including Oceanside, are there. We haven't heard much about Oceanside in a while. Uh, they have a long conversation about everything that's been going on. Michonne explains her position for the last five years. Um, and, you know, Gabe says Alexandria is willing to grant asylum to Lydia because they start talking about that. Um she said, and Lydia says, thank you, and I'll do anything to repay you and earn my keep. Tara is, of course, worried about the Whispers retaliating against Hilltop because she figures if they're going to strike at anybody, it's going to be us, even though Lydia, you know, doesn't even live here anymore. Yep. Um, and Michonne reminds Tara that nobody trusted her, meaning Michonne, when she arrived at the prison, and nobody trusted Tara when she was with the governor either, but you know, attitudes can change. Yeah. Like, don't be a stinker. I mean, we all showed up here at some point. Right. We were all new at some point. You're right. Yeah, we didn't know each other beforehand. We weren't like all working in the same office building. (laughs) Exactly. No, we were all strangers. Um, So Tara kind of comes around. She agrees and says that's a fair point, but she asks for fighters from each community because she's going to need the help defending Hilltop if... uh, you know, the whisperers come back to which they all agree. And they agree that they'll head out immediately back to Hilltop because there's really no time to waste if the whisperers do show up there. So Michonne reiterates that they have to all work together again. They want these, you know, she wants the communities to come together in some sort of agreement. And naturally, of course, uh, King Ezekiel pulls out the charter and says, I've got just the thing for us to sign. (laughs) And they all get down to business signing it. Of note, I would say Carol signs it as Queen Carol, which I thought was great. That's neat. This is how World War I started, by the way. All, you know, mutual non-aggression pacts. The uh, uh, Archduke Ferdinand was mur- murdered or assassinated. And then uh, Austria, Hungary said to Serbia, you know what, don't do that. Mm-hmm. And Serbia went, no, we're going to like mobilize for war. And they declared war on Serbia. And then the Russians got brought in. And then Germany went, no, no, no. And Germany jumped in and then invaded France for some reason. Uh, so that's basically how World War I started, all those uh, political agreements for, you know, if somebody attacks you, we're going to attack them kind of thing. So this is, uh, they're starting a war by signing this document, in well, my opinion. I mean, they're, they're, that's not their goal. They're trying to come together as a group of five communities. And, well, no, and- I mean, all those non-aggression pacts that they had signed before World War I were like, you know what, we're friends. If anybody attacks you, I'm going to jump in with you. And then all of a sudden, the whole thing snowballed into World War One. So is there, are you saying there's a massive fatal flaw in this whole plan? No, I'm saying that, uh, you know, even with the perfect, perfectly good intentions, 
shit hits the fan. <laughs> it, it usually does, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Anyways, for now, they've all signed the agreement, the charter, and they're going to try to live by it. Michonne did not actually sign it, though. She gave signing authority to Father Gabe as the head of the council. Well, yeah, because she doesn't have the authority to sign. She didn't give authority. She just decided that uh, her authority wasn't paramount in this situation after all. Okay, I guess so. So Father Gabe is the signing representative from the borough of Alexandria or whatever it is. Yeah, it's a town. The town. Well, I'm sure they're not incorporated as a city. <laughs> no, probably so not. They're probably just a, you know, a village. I don't even know. Yeah. Adam in Texas writes, holy crap, did you see that Sharpie? Still Sharpieing? The shelf life of a never used Sharpie is about five years max. I know this because I recently stumbled onto some old Sharpies from when I started my business five years ago. They were unopened, unused, and bone dry. That's it, damn it. Disbelief is no longer suspended. A zombie apocalypse I can handle, but wet, viable markers? Nope. Well, okay. So I have some, I have a, I bought a box of Sharpies a number of years ago. I've been living in this house for about seven years and I bought them shortly after we, I started working in the office upstairs. I still have like half that box sitting at, in the, in the drawer upstairs. I could test this right now. You could. Well, maybe after the show, let's, let's after the show. Okay. For the next episode, I'll give it a, I'll give it a test. But right. uh, I do have some at least five or six years, or about five or six year old Sharpies. I think it meant it, it depends on how you store it. If you store it upright, like with the with the with the nib pointing up, it'll all drain out, and maybe if it's half used, it'll it'll do that. But if you store them horizontal, like a bottle of wine, uh, then I think they should be okay. So two things we've learned is number one, keep the cork wet, and also yep. keep keep the nib wet. Yeah. So maybe don't store them upright in a, like a pencil holder or something, <laughs> just store, store them. In, uh, and that's what I'm thinking. My Sharpies are probably still good because they're sitting in a drawer in a box, like well, a box of Sharpies. All right. Well, you let us know. I think Adam was having a, having a fun time pointing out the, uh, <laughs> suspension well, they, of disbelief. No, it is regarding- fun. It is good. And I, I, you know, there's, you know, suspension of disbelief can only go so far. And if you have experience with Sharpies, it, it all depends on how they're storing them. But I'm not saying that, that that this is true or false. I'm just saying that this can be verified or at least corroborated. All right. Fantastic. I look forward to finding out your answer. Me too. We take a commercial break and return to the fair. People are all having fun. Lydia and Henry are walking together. Uh, they pass a bunch of booths in a in a somewhat long shot, I thought, for The Walking Dead. We've got, a, I think, a handheld camera that follows them as they go. Uh, we see Sadiq and Enid giving CPR lessons. We see Earl demonstrating blacksmithing, and Tammy is there with the baby as well. Uh, we get Eugene in a dunk tank, sort of trash-talking Judith, who throws and dunks him, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was awesome. Uh, they notice, so as they walk around, Lydia and Henry notice Daryl unloading his motorcycle from a truck. And, you know, they, they both think that they're the cause of the danger to Hilltop and wish they could go back to help. You know, Lydia thinks it's her fault. Henry thinks it's his fault. It's probably a combination of the two. It's everybody's fault. Pretty much. Ezekiel and Carol approach and say they expect to see them at the movie and that they're not going anywhere, of course. And after the kids walk away, Ezekiel mentions that our son is taking a girl to the movies tonight. And I thought Carol's response was amazing because she said, everything you just said sounds completely impossible. And when you think about it, it's like son 
Yeah. Fairly impossible. Taking a girl to the movies, impossible. Movie, impossible, you know? Yep. <laughs> so. It's all good. Reminded me of Luke's response in uh, that uh, Star Wars movie. Everything you said is wrong. L- Luke said that? When does Luke yeah, say that? Yeah, in the Star Wars movie. Just uh, when uh, every part oh. of that is in, is wrong. To Ray. That's right. To Ray, yeah. That's right. I remember. Uh, now, speaking of Luke, we cut over to Alden and Luke and Enid, who are eating candy apples, talking about the upcoming musical performance that night, which Enid at this point doesn't know about, but once she finds out, she talks Alden into it and then calls him her boyfriend. Her boyfriend, her crooner boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. And he was, he, he latched onto the boy, the boyfriend more than the crooner, um, but you know, well, yeah, you know, the, you know, if, uh, if he latched onto the crooner part, that'd be, that'd be wrong. Like that, <laughs> if that's, if the, both those things are slightly off, uh, latching onto the boyfriend yeah, would be, is the right thing to do. It's probably the one you want to, to call out maybe, but it turns out it's the first time they've used that word, you know, amongst each other, I guess. Well, that's nice. Have it you is. ever had a candy apple? Uh, not, I mean, yeah, probably. But I've, I don't think I've ever eaten a full one. And it, that kind of thing does not appeal to me whatsoever at this point in my life. Me, me neither. That's why I'm wondering, because I've never had a candy apple. Because I've never wanted one. I've been offered to, you know, someone to buy me one. I've offered somebody actually physically offer me one. I'm like, no, I don't think so. No, I, I would agree. I, it doesn't seem appealing. It seems like sticky and kind of, I don't know. I mean, apples don't need to be coated in in sugar i don't feel like but no you know if, if you're out there and you love candy apples more power to you there's a store in the mall uh near me that sells like 30 different kinds of candy apples well now you got to go try each one i really don't because they have an a and w and i'd rather go there <laughs> forget forget candy apples i want burgers and root beer i want a buddy burger give me a buddy burger why not good what if you coated it in uh hardened liquid sugar and put it on a stick. It kind of defeats the point of a burger. Candy burger. It makes burger. it into some gross burger. Candied burger on a stick. No, that's something that the uh, uh, that the exhibition would do. Oh, yeah. That's right. That'd be crazy. They do weird stuff like that. All right. But yeah. Well, back to the episode. Connie and Kelly are talking, and Kelly's upset at first that Connie left, you know, Hilltop without saying goodbye. And she apologizes and says that she had to help that baby. And she also implies strongly that, that it brought up a bunch of old weird feelings, or she says that it brought up a bunch of old weird, weird feelings, which implies strongly to me that at some point Connie may have lost a child. Yeah, or someone close to her with a child. It's something like that. Yeah, there's something yeah. to the, her backstory that we don't really know. Whether we'll get more information on it down the road, who knows? But I don't think we need more. I just think it, it's a it's a reasonable uh, backstory point mm-hmm. that uh, explains why she did what she did. And I think that we have enough information now. We can just move on. I don't think we need more. No, I I would agree with that. I just think that there's a tendency on TV shows to do characters' backstories, especially if they've been around for a while, right? If Connie survives another two or three seasons and she becomes a regular series, regular popular character, I wouldn't be surprised if we got a Connie backstory someday. Um, But I, I agree with you. I don't think it's even necessary. I think this just helped flesh her out a little bit and explain her actions from a few episodes ago. Yeah. Somebody's got this uh, written down in the, uh, the show Bible 
of all the characters and all their backstories and all that kind of stuff. And it's probably, uh, you know, when the, when the writers are, you know, hard up for a topic and they go through the Bible and they go, blah, 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 blah. Oh, look, this could be an interesting storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. There's a little asterisk next to her name with a maybe come back to this someday note. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Well, we take a commercial break and when we come back, we're still at the fair. We've got Sadiq and Michonne walking and talking. She says she's leaving for Hilltop and they sort of come to Jerry who's playing with the kids, his own kids, as well as Judith on the ground. And Michonne asks Sadiq to keep an eye on Judith because she's taken off. And he mentions that he could use the experience looking after a kid, to which she questions him, what do you mean experience? And he does the thing that people on TV should never, ever do. He says, I'll tell you when I see you next time. Because that, that kind of thing never happens in real life because in real life, the camera doesn't cut away and we move on in the plot. We get the, uh, everybody stays exactly where they are uh-huh. and somebody says, that's horseshit. Fucking tell me now <laughs> right. or I'm going to skewer you. You can't tease me. You can't say something like that and then not explain. But yeah, in TV land, you can do those sorts of things. Yeah, because there's a cut. There's a jump cut to something else. To something else. I really wish we had that in real life. When I'm in an uncomfortable situation and when things get really awkward, TV shows tend to, or movies tend to jump cut somewhere else. I'd be fine with that. Absolutely. If I got into an awkward, shitty situation, she's like, okay, jump cut, and you're done. You should try that someday. Just yell cut and then walk away. <laughs> Just going to yell jump cut and run. Yeah, and run, exactly. <laughs> Star wipe and leave. <laughs> you should... Um, Bookend all of your experiences in life with some kind of, you know, cut, star wipe, fade, you know, sliding transition, something like that. And you have to say them all out loud. It'd be hilarious. Exit stage left. Right. Exactly. Get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, anyways, we cut over to Addie, who comes to talk to Henry, and she apologizes for ratting him and Lydia out when they escaped Hilltop a few episodes ago. Lydia is sitting at a a uh, picnic table watching them from a distance and then Gage and Rodney approach her, introduce themselves and mention that Addie has a crush on Henry. Yeah. So they've come to stir up some shit for some reason. It's exactly what they're doing. There's no reason for them to walk over and say these things, but they do. Yeah, You're not going to cause trouble, right? Oh, and they've got a thing and uh, you're not part of that thing. So yeah. Be warned. It's jerk, like. You, and then leave. And then jump cut and get the hell out of there. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> they're like, you're not going to cause trouble if you're one of us. But you know what? I think maybe we'll cause some trouble because that's what we do because we're dicks. Yeah. They're just being a couple of dicks. Totally. Uh, but Lydia gets up and storms away. So. Yeah. So mission accomplished. Screw awesome. those guys. Uh, we go to Tara, Diane, Cal, and a couple other hilltoppers, you know, walking towards the gate and talking about leaving. Tara thanks them for volunteering to go back and says she'll be right behind them. She also makes a funny line about, I'd give you guys a bonus, but none of us get paid, so can't. Oh, well. <laughs> That's right. Um, a good pat on the back, maybe, is, is what they'll what they'll receive. An extra turnip for your... You know, your evening stew. Right. I mean, that could make or break the stew. So one extra turnip is, is a great thing. Uh-huh. We have other characters are saying goodbye. Michonne hugging Judith. Yumiko saying goodbye to her friends. And then Connie telling Daryl to be safe. And as 
uh, you know, as, after she turns, he asks her to feed dog for him while they're away. Mm-hmm. That's a prelude to uh, make it out. Well, absolutely. I mean, listen, I'm going to I'm going to say something here. Uh, I worked at a place one time. You did? And, yeah. And uh, I worked with someone who had a dog who often came to the office. And one day I saw somebody else in the office leave with the dog. Oh. And I knew instantly what was going on. And it's kind of the same thing that I feel like might be going on here. Someone else is looking after Daryl's dog. And you know what that means. Oh. Yeah. They're uh, interested in each other. <laughs> totally. And, and I think it's great. dog would get in the way for whatever plot points are coming up next. Um, cause yes. I saw that too. I guess so. That's true. But not knowing that here, I was going, oh yeah, there's more Connie and Daryl going on here. I like this. I figured when he tapped her on the shoulder, he was going to profess his undying love and then he would kiss her goodbye. Really? I kind of did, but then I remembered, oh, it's Daryl. And he right. doesn't do He's that not going to do any such thing. She's going to have to punch him in the face and kiss him because he's not going to do it. <laughs> no, he's definitely not going to do it, but he's made a step in the right direction. He's asked someone to look after his dog and that's a big yeah. deal. That's the kind of, that's the kind of thing I would do when I was younger to, uh, to, to try and get someone's attention, do something vague and non-committal to maybe possibly spark interest going forward, potentially, <laughs> if they happen to be interested. Right. And if you do that enough times, eventually it's going to work. Yeah, eventually somebody's going to punch you in the face and then kiss you. Right there, you go. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So that's my that that was my uh, tried and true method. <laughs> so good for you, Daryl. And now you're married with a kid. Everything worked out. That's right. Good. Yeah. Well, uh, where are we? Henry, Carol, and Ezekiel say goodbye to Daryl as well, and they offer him a permanent home at the kingdom if he ever wants to to live there, which was nice. <laughs> Which is, it's funny because uh, they said after Hilltop is uh, secured, uh, you can, you can always have a home here. Uh-huh. It's just subtly like, you know, go do your goddamn job or you're not going to be able to stay here. Well, yeah. I also sort <laughs> it's of It's probably thought... not what they meant, but it's how I read it. Sure. I, I kind of thought about it like, you know, go murder a bunch of people who are going to attack Hilltop and then come yeah. on and live over here. Yeah. But it, it seemed to me, they phrased it in such a way that it was conditional. Right. It's just uh, go and uh, once the hill, hilltop is secured, you can always come back and stay here. It's just like, well, why is it conditional? Why can't you just say that you can stay here now? Go and, you know, be Daryl. Ah, come on. What they mean is we know you have a job to go do that's important. So you can't stay now. But after that's done, if you ever want to settle down, this is a pretty nice place. Yeah. It's like waitstaff coming up to you and saying, if you need anything, my name is Jason. It's like, well, what's your name if I don't need anything? Like, why is your name conditional on what I need? Uh, <laughs> I understand. Your brain it's language <laughs> in funny ways. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? Yeah. Your name doesn't have to be conditional. You can be whoever you want all the time. It's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, all right. I guess so. so. yeah, Daryl's got to go off and do his thing or he's not allowed to stay. Right. The way you see it. They all leave. Yep. Daryl leading the way on his motorcycle. Cool, Cause, cause which is does. weird because that motorcycle is like way faster than a horse. So uh, he's yeah. going to run out of gas. Well, but he, right? he doesn't ride horses. He rides a motorcycle, so he doesn't care. I, 
I know, but it's just the disparity in technology is not doesn't make any sense in this case because he, he, I mean, sure he can ride off and scout and come back, and then ride off and scout and come back. But unless they have like fourteen gas cans in the back, uh, it's somewhere. Uh, he's going to run out of gas before those horses get to where they're going. I don't know, man. Motorcycle gas lasts a long time, I think. Not as long as a horse. Probably not as long as a horse. Either way, he's on his bike, he's leading the way, and they're all following up behind. Awesome. After a commercial break, we are in the woods where we see the highwaymen kill some zombies. And then Daryl and Daryl and the group show up, and the highwaymen show them the remnants of... Hilda and Miles's cart that was attacked by whisperers, which they have come across. So they kind of inspect the situation a little bit. Then they all decide to split up with uh, most of them going, continuing on to Hilltop. The highwaymen are going to continue their patrols around the kingdom just in case. And Daryl, Carol, Yumiko, and Michonne follow the whisperer tracks to see if they can locate the people that were in that cart and uh, help them. Yeah, because that's not a trap. Uh, no, definitely not a trap. So now it's nighttime, and we're with Daryl's group in the forest tracking these whisperers. Daryl realizes that the trail goes in three different directions, which is weird, and this is the moment he realizes something is up and it's probably a trap. So he basically says to everyone, turn around, let's go back, we have to leave right now. But it's too late. They're attacked by a bunch of zombies, and the first two... Uh, zombies are the two guys that were in the hilltop cart. So yep. they're dead. Uh, they managed to fight those off and it goes, you know, it's, it's a, I thought it was a pretty cool close up fight scene. It, it turns into sort of a really speedy montage of, of Walker kills where you do see some, you know, heads getting stabbed and some blood splashing, but it's all pretty fast and and we're cutting between walkers and our characters and stuff. And I thought it was pretty well done. Yeah, it was nice. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it was a lot of quick flashes, but uh, we still maintain context. You do? So yeah, it was well done. Yeah, I thought so. Um, but eventually our group is surrounded by whisperers instead of walkers. All of them have their weapons drawn now, including one of them with a gun, you know, most of them. Yeah, have so knives. they have a gun. They do have a gun. Yeah. Who knows if it works, but it makes a cocking sound. So it must it work. It made a clicking sound. That's good enough for me. Exactly. Because if some, anybody pointed a, a gun at me and it made a clicking sound, I would pay attention. That's, that's like, right. You have my attention. What can I do for you? That's right. How may I help you? Uh, Beta approaches, tells them to drop their weapons. And he says that all they wanted was Lydia and nobody else had to die, but it's too late for that deal now. Yeah. That. So I've I've told you and our listeners what to do in an ambush, right? Run. Run. Yeah. Don't sit there. Don't stand there. Uh-huh. You're fucked. Just run. Yeah. So they didn't do that. But they kind of tried to. Daryl said, turn around. No, we gotta turn get around and go. No, it's not just turn around and go. Let's fight our way out of here. It's just pick a direction and run. But he says it before the zombies come out of the trees. So he rea- I think he realizes it's an ambush and he says, yes. we got to go. Yeah, and they all get a scatter. Like, they all go in the same direction. They don't do a, an orderly retreat. You just get the get the F out and just run. Well, okay, fair. So they, they didn't know to execute that. But what I'm trying to say is Daryl almost, or he sort of knew the right thing to do. It just yeah. may have been too late or he didn't express himself well. I don't know. Right. So the rest of them didn't know what to do. Yeah, and now they're fucked. And now they're captured, exactly. 
Yeah. Uh, but Natalie, who is just outside of Detroit, Michigan, exactly 238.8 miles from Toronto, said, Holy crap, did you see that even after years away from each other, Daryl, Michonne, Carol, and now Yumiko can still whoop Walker ass together? And I think what Natalie's getting at is that they were pretty successful in fighting these zombies off, and they did in fact have a system. I think, where they were kind of back-to-back, you know, supporting each other. Um, And if they haven't practiced that in a long time, it just all came back to them once they were in a bad situation. Yeah, so that's good. It is pretty good. It's like riding a bike. Riding a bike. Killing zombies, riding bikes. It's the same thing. Yep. (laughs) So commercial break, and we are now, weirdly, back with Carol leaving the hilltop again and Ezekiel saying goodbye. Uh, but this time we stay inside the kingdom instead of following Daryl's group out into the open. Yeah. This episode contains uh, 97% new content. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but I like, I love this kind of thing where you see, um, it's not really the same storyline from different perspectives, but you see other things that are going on at the same time as other things. And I think it's a really good way of making sure we're aware of that as viewers, right? Show one scene that's common to the both, and then they split off on their own tangents. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was a good, uh, it was a good method of storytelling. Yeah, I agree. Right. So that's the only scene. Now we're inside Hilltop or uh, inside Kingdom at the fair. Uh, we get a shot of Jerry chatting with Nabila about Michonne coming. And as one of them steps out of the way, suddenly we see Hilda again, uh, who we know is dead. Now, we've already talked about the fact that this is Alpha in disguise, so there is no yeah. uh, secret here. And Yeah, we'll call her, we'll call her Alfilda. Alf- no. Hilda. Alfilda, yeah. Why not? Uh, I mean, was it ever, was there ever any question that this was her in disguise, or how long did it take you to realize what was going on? 0.2 seconds. Pretty much. Me too. <laughs> well, I mean, the green dress, the long blonde hair and the hat was uh, a definite giveaway. Right. I thought maybe like when I first saw Alpha uh, cutting into uh, Hilda's forehead, dead Hilda's forehead, I thought she was cutting off her face. And so when I first saw this, I thought, oh, it's Hilda. She can't be wearing Hilda's face, can she? And no. it took me a little while to figure that out because I was trying to think if she's wearing her face... I got to call bullshit on this because, you know, obviously somebody wearing somebody else's face, uh, he, as human beings, I've talked about this before, we're pretty good at facial recognition. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can, in that uncanny valley thing, like wearing somebody else's dead face would be, you know, obvious. It so f- I was going to call bullshit, but then after about maybe 10 seconds of that, uh, of seeing her face, I'm like, okay, she's not wearing her face, she's just wearing her hair. It's just a wig. Right. Just a wig. Yeah. So- it took me a while to get all the way there, but I knew it was uh, Alpha in disguise almost immediately. Sure. This isn't I just Mission couldn't Im- figure out the disguise. This isn't Mission Impossible for crying out loud, right? They wear faces that are indistinguishable. Oh, but those, are, those are rubber faces, right? I know. Which are like matched to, the, they're thin and they match to your mus- muscles and stuff. But you take somebody else's face off and you put it on your face. I mean, their muscles aren't there and it's just basically uh, a leather sack. Or a, like a skin sack. It's it's. There's no way that could poss- be possible. No, of course, of course. We've of course seen not. that in uh, Silence of the Lambs when Hannibal Lecter wore that guard's face. 
Right. Sorry to spoil that movie from the 90s. Every, well, every week there's got to be something you spoil. So why not yeah. Silence of the Lambs? Great friggin' movie. If it's if that's a spoiler for you, I'm sorry for that. But go watch the goddamn movie because you're behind. Sure. Um, in, you know, slight side note here. I watched a TV show recently uh, where they, they did this little trick thing um, and removed the eyebrows from people. It's remarkable how important eyebrows yeah. are in recognizing human beings. You can oh, yeah. remo- you can remove people's entire eyes and it's obvious who it is. If you remove their eyebrows only, it's not as easy to tell who that person is, like a, a well-known celebrity. It's weird. Yeah. No, it it's weird. It's uh I've uh I've been a part of pranks where people's eyebrows were not a part of, but I've witnessed the results of, I would never do that to somebody, but I've witnessed <laughs> the results of pranks where somebody's eyebrows were shaved off and it's disconcerting. Well, it's disconcerting, but it's, it's amazing how, um, uh, you can, you can look at this picture or you can look at a picture of this well-known celebrity that everyone knows and be like, that's that person. And yeah. then remove the eyebrows. And it's like, I don't even, I don't know who that is. It's weird. Like it was really yeah, no, weird. No, I saw a, something on Reddit with a side-by-side of a celebrity with, uh, without, it was uh, Anne Hathaway without eyebrows. Eyebrows. Oh. I'm like, yeah, that's not Anne Hathaway. <laughs> but it was. So you're, you're, my brain is going back and forth. I'm looking back and forth between the two pictures, you know, doing a Where's Waldo thing to match, you know, nose, cheeks, mouth, all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like, yep, that's Anne Hathaway, but shit, she looks weird without eyebrows. Weird. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. we go inside one of the buildings and uh, Eugene is there working on his like ham radio setup. Rosita comes to see him and they chat about all the community staying in touch and how they can use this radio system to do that, which will be great. Um, and she addresses kind of the awkwardness between them. She says that the two of them can still talk and be friends. And uh, then they get to work or she gets to work helping him with his radios. Yeah, not not everything has to change. I mean, just because I'm having a baby and, you know, life's going to be different, you can still watch me have sex anytime you want. <laughs> I mean, that's awfully nice of her, really. Yeah, I'm not letting it go. I can't let it go. No. It's weird. It's super weird. <laughs> I mean, no judgment for anyone who's into that, but like... Well, it, they're all consenting adults. That's fine. Totally. They, they're right? allowed to do it, but it's it's unusual. Well, it's just, you know, it's an aspect to their relationship that I'm going to keep bringing up. That's it. No judgment. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, it's it's funny. <laughs> Let's yeah. put it that way. Partly because it's Eugene, though. But anyways, uh, we've, we've got Henry now. He's looking uh, for Lydia, and he briefly chats with Frankie. If you don't remember who Frankie is, she was one of Negan's former wives who has now been, you know, six years later living at... Uh, um, I guess she was living at Alexandria and she's here at the fair. Yep. Um, and as Henry moves on, we, you know, get a conversation between Tara, Father Gabe and Rachel, who is the o- Oceanside representative. They're chatting about training fighting techniques with each other um, and just sort of, you know, all the planning and logistics that are going to go into this new agreement that the communities have. And then Tara mentions that they got to do this soon because it'll be winter soon. Yeah, winter's coming. Winter is coming. Uh, She also says to Father Gabe that she's anxious to get home and be with her people. And, you know, he just kind of reassures her that she's a great leader and uh, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, he's wrong, but that's nice. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, We see Luke and Alden talking about their show. I think they're on stage at this point. 
Enid's there looking on, and she says she'll make fun of him a tiny bit for the rest of their lives. Yeah, they're standing backstage. Like so they're Oh yeah, okay. They're 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 getting ready for their performance. They're not actually not actually on stage. Right, right, right. Okay, that makes sense. But you know, Enid is looking on lovingly and sort of generally amused about the whole thing, I think. Mm-hmm. I, like I love that. you and we're gonna be together forever. That's right. And I might tease you about this once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Why would she tease? I mean oh, getting up on. on stage is a very, very difficult thing for a lot of people. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, and you should never tease that kind of thing. You should support people in their, uh, uh, in the, in that kind of thing. Yeah. The whole thing was just adorably cute though. Wasn't it? It was. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, it all point. depends on their relationship, but uh, in general, I think you should support people when they do that because it's terrifying. You know, one of the, the second most terrifying thing in people's lives are, uh, is getting on stage. The most terrifying is death. <laughs> like there's surveys where it's like, well, what are the two things you don't want to do? The most. It's like, die, get, you know, talk in front of people. And public speaking, and that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you should be supportive of that kind of thing. Of course, of death and public speaking. Wait yeah. a minute. Don't, don't tease people. No, that's not nice. Anyways, we quickly see Henria find Lydia on her own, and then we go back to Alpha, who's looking around the fair, and she's looking at a drawing of Ezekiel and Carol, and behind her pass Tammy and Earl holding the baby. And we hear Tammy say that they're naming the baby Adam. Mm-hmm. So that is now Adam, Tammy and Earl's baby. Yeah. Sort of like Alpha. So, Adam. Uh, Adam and Eve. A little bit. Yeah. Beginning. First. Alpha. Yeah. First. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, back to Henry and Lydia. They're talking. She's mentioned, of course, what Rodney and Gage told her. And Henry says he doesn't like Addie, he likes Lydia. Oh. And she has the same feelings, so they kiss. Um, and then, uh, you know, the pipes, remember those pipes that were blowing up way yep. back? They start making some noise, so Henry goes to take a look. Um, what I liked about this scene is I think these two actors have really nailed it in the kind of little bit awkward teenage um, uh, relationship thing because their kissing is a little bit awkward but not too awkward and i think it's just the perfect amount of awkward uncomfortableness all right well good i think they've done a good job you know i think it's great you know maybe it's all um lydia uh, because i have not been all that impressed with henry most of the time (laughs) but he's been better lately so you know okay good maybe they're finding their their balance (laughs) All right. So a word of, word of advice. If you express your feelings for someone and you kiss them for the first time, yeah, don't leave 30 seconds later. I don't care what the hell's going on. There could be a fire going on somewhere uh, near you and you're the only one who's allowed to put it out. Still, you should second guess whether or not you should fuck off at that point. It's not their first kiss though. They kissed before, remember? Well, yeah, but that's really the, the first time they're they're expressing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been uh, an unspoken thing until now. Now it's a spoken thing and that they're they're going to uh, be boyfriend-girlfriend and this is their intent and what they want. I, I don't care what's happening. Don't walk away. Well, I mean, certain things could probably draw you away, but we've gotten in rapid succession here a couple of, like, relationship solidification scenes. We've got Enid and Alden, boyfriend-girlfriend, and now we got uh, Henry and Lydia doing kind of the same thing. Yeah, and Daryl went and fucked up the trifecta. Oh, yeah, he did. He all, We almost had it with Daryl and Connie. Man. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Daryl. 
you friggin' Daryl. George in Byron Bay, Australia writes, Holy crap, I find Henry and Lydia's love so wholesome and beautiful in this bleak cesspool of utterly endless grief and incomparable misery. <laughs> yep. Tell us how you really feel, George. <laughs> yeah, this uh, The Walking Dead ain't no love story, that's for sure. No, but it seems to have a lot of um, re lovey relationships in it, you know? Yeah. So far. So far. I mean, uh, we're still, uh, we still got... 20 minutes left in the episode. Well, there you go. Uh, so we have Ezekiel. He approaches Alpha in disguise and introduces himself. And she says her name is Debbie from Alexandria. There you go. Right. Uh, they chat about not knowing each other and how that's going to change. And he's very happy that they're all going to get to know each other again. Wait, wait, wait. So she's, okay. Alpha's wearing Hilda's outfit. Yes. Do you think that, that Hilda wore this outfit ever before? I mean, like, would anybody that is from the hilltop recognize this outfit and hair on somebody else? Possibly, but we don't know that for sure. Because they've been there for years. Uh, yeah. At the hilltop. Hilda has been there for years. Hilda has been there for years. That's true. Okay. I'm just wondering. Yeah, no, I mean, this is what we were saying before. It's, it's, it's kind of difficult to believe that nobody would recognize her. However, it's not hard to believe that Ezekiel wouldn't know her, right? Because they've been no. split up for a while. So I think what we just have to go with is that, you know, nobody took a close enough look who would recognize her because she was just wandering around and it's a busy fair. There's lots of things going on and she probably just kept, kept a low profile, maybe kept the hat low over her face so people couldn't see her really well. And then Ezekiel, the one guy who approaches to talk to her, is, you know, the one person who might not recognize her. I just think there's a, there's a flaw in Alpha's plan. Like, I, I think the better plan for Alpha would have been go find a new outfit that doesn't look like you've, you know, slept in the mud for three years with it. Uh, wash your face, because what well, she did wash her face, which is nice, but then dirty it up exactly the way it was before later. But we'll get to that. Uh, and then wash your hair. Right? Mm -hmm. Like clean your face, wash your hair, and find a new outfit, and you're golden. You don't have to scalp somebody and steal their clothes because all that can do is alert, possibly alert someone who recognizes the hair and or clothes and hat. So you're saying just be, be a mystery person, like be someone that no one has ever seen before, and therefore yeah. everyone will just assume you're from some other community. But she couldn't just be alpha either because- right. Uh, people at Hilltop would recognize Alpha. So she does need something, but uh, it do, don't be something that somebody would might recognize. Right. So I think maybe if she'd taken the hair and the hat, but not the clothing, that might or have Or the been. clothing and somebody else's hair and a different hat, or maybe just put on a goddamn baseball cap. Well, wear some sunglasses. That's a, that's a pretty good, yeah, that's a pretty good disguise in any of the MCU movies, right? Or any movie out there is you put on a baseball cap, nobody knows who you are. No, you're right. That's a, that's a disguise. Or a pair of glasses, like friggin' Clark Kent. Yeah, just wear some glasses. No, I, I... This six foot tall, incredibly muscular man, I don't know who the hell he is with glasses on. <laughs> nope, no idea. I see your point, though. Like, maybe... Maybe just try to be someone new, not impersonate someone that, that might be yeah. recognizable. Yeah. You're just asking for trouble, but. Right. Yeah. But she did wash her face. 
which is nice. Right. That's that was important. If she hadn't washed the face, I think that would have been a bit of a giveaway even yeah. more. Anyways, um, before they finish their chat, her and Ezekiel, she mentions that she has a feeling it's going to be a hard winter. So another uh-huh. reference to winter. Winter's coming. Uh, clearly it is. Now, at the movie theater, everybody's there. The lights go down and the movie starts. And it's a film called Quack-a-Doodle-Doo, starring Baby Huey. Right. I mean, I'm kind of speechless about that. That seems like an interesting choice, but that's what they're showing. Lydia is there. She's saved a seat for Henry, who's not there. And then suddenly, Alpha sits beside her, puts her finger to her mouth to shush her, and Lydia obviously recognizes immediately who it is. Yep. Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey writes, Holy crap, did you see their terrible choice of movie? Perhaps they were just showing a cartoon for the children first before getting a real movie. However, if there if there was all that build up and then that was shown, I'd be mad if I was a character on the show. <laughs> no, it's the cartoon. I mean, even Pixar does that, right? They have uh, before the feature, they have yeah. a short little thing that they uh, they put in. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. They always do that. So that's what they were doing here. They weren't just showing uh, Quack no. and Doodle Doo. <laughs> well, this, that, that's also probably uh, a double feature. Mm-hmm. Right? Like when you go to the, the drive-in, they play something that the kids would enjoy and then they fall asleep and then they put on a movie that the adults would enjoy, enjoy that's probably a little higher uh, higher rated. Sure. So you, you start with Quackadoodle Doo and then you yep. play Platoon or something. Yeah. Got it. Exactly. Or, or, you know, maybe not even Platoon. I mean, it'd have to be, well, I guess movies. Three, three Men and a Baby. Nowadays. Three Men and a Baby. Yeah. You know, something good. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you started it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we take a commercial break and- But uh, did you notice in Quackadoodle-Doo that uh, baby Huey uh, pulled a wolf mask off the other character? Uh, not really, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So there was a, somebody was wearing a false face and it got pulled off in the cartoon. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was, that's probably why they picked that particular, why the producers picked that, or and writers probably picked that particular- cartoon i am maybe but i mean masks come off in cartoons all the time i feel like this is probably like some writer has fond memories of watching that as a child and like you know what i want to put that in there and it's nobody has fond memories of that (laughs) well i people remember funny things from their childhood well you know basically okay well we have a problem here (laughs) i'm so nitpicking i just i want to start off by saying overall i really enjoyed this episode I thought it was fantastic. I, I and I want to stay that because I'm about to nitpick some more. I mean, that doesn't mean you can't nitpick, and it doesn't hasn't stopped you in the oh, past. Oh, I nitpick stuff I like all the time. Right. Much to much of my friends and wife's chagrin. <laughs> so, celluloid <laughs> movies. Okay, they have a bulb, right? Which means that it's going to have to have a print of a film, an actual like print of a film running in front of that bulb to project in front of this project on the screen. Right. And that, the, the movie prints, film prints are on celluloid. Is that right? I think so. That's right. Celluloid, 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 uh, deteriorates over time and they have to save old movies because they're, they're rotting in the cans. There are cans sitting in their, whatever vault that they're in in order to save them. It's really difficult to do. So if they're playing movies from the, 40s, 50s, 60s, 60s? I don't when know. When was this baby Huey thing? 60s, 70s? All that shit 
would be really a really hard to come by in this day and age in the uh, the two thousands, and uh, and B it probably would be rotted. So they'd have to, the only thing that they would have available to them is recent movies printed. So I doubt that they would have this movie available to them in any way, shape, or form. Nineteen fifty. Okay, there you go. That shit is. You can't just stumble across that in an old movie theater. It's going to be just dust or like, you know, two inch sections of film. Right. Well. Split apart. Uh, they got lucky. Maybe this one was. Uh, Recently re- reprint, reprinted. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right then. Okay. Uh, well, where was I? Commercial break. And we are back with Daryl Michonne and Carol who are tied to a tree now surrounded by whisperers. And Daryl and Michonne both say that they, you know, Alpha can't have Lydia back. They have decided to keep her. And Alpha says it's not about her daughter anymore. And Lydia was weak and didn't live up to expectations. So forget her. Right. And Alpha's face is back to being exactly as dirty as it was before. Yeah, that's true. And for me, there was a little bit of a timeline disconnect here because... I wasn't quite sure. It feels like Alpha is in two places at once here a little it bit, does. right? Yeah. Um, in disguise at the fair and in the forest here. Now I know one's in the day and one's in the night. So they're happening at different times. Um, but it did feel a little, a little unclear as to how she could jump around so much. It, uh, that happened to me, but it lasted all of 15 seconds until I figured out the timeline. That because we had that branching point mm-hmm. of uh, uh, of Carol leaving, mm-hmm. uh, and it, one branch went with Ezekiel, the other branch went with Carol. Because we had that branching point, we knew that the two storylines were happening in parallel. Right. And that, and that here, the two storylines came back together. Uh, and so my thinking was she was at Alexander... Or, uh, at the, the kingdom, uh, doing her thing, and then left, and then met up with them back here in the forest at night. Correct. That is exactly what I think happened. But there's one problem with that for me. And in this scene here with them tied to the tree, she asks what Michonne's name is, and Michonne tells her her name. And then... But but then in the scene where she's talking to Ezekiel, which is apparently happening earlier, she yep. says to him, isn't it weird that Michonne came? So I thought that she learned Michonne's name at night and then used it at the fair. But it doesn't work with the timeline because one's happening after the other, right? Yes. So that did trip me up a little bit until I figured out that most likely... Uh, Alpha heard somebody else at the fair. Now this this is a problem with the with the with the continuity is that they probably cut that out for time or what have you. But I think Alpha overheard somebody else saying, "Isn't it weird that Michonne showed up?" And then her asking her name uh, and Michonne saying, "I'm Michonne." I think that was a light bulb. Oh, you're Michonne. Right. I was just talking about you. Right. Okay. So, so she. I, there, that that is the only way I can explain it. I think that the uh, the part at the fair where she overheard somebody saying that was cut. Yeah, it, it must have been because it uh, because the way this played out, it doesn't really work. Um, but it it 
And it would have still worked if we'd seen that scene that had been cut out that you're this scene you're speculating that was cut out um, and then have and then have Alpha use her name later that night. I mean, that sort of would have made sense, too. It's it feels like they cut the one scene that kind of explains either scenario here. Right. Yeah. No, and you're absolutely right. I think that was an error in, (laughs) in in the episode. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I think we've got the timeline, right? She was at the fair earlier in the day and, um, and then later on left and captured the three of these, um, yeah. people in the evening. So and, there you go. And then essentially sat down and redid her makeup. Like, even if it was just like putting your hands in the dirt and rubbing in your eyes and then around your mouth, she basically redid her makeup. She washed her face to go to the fair and then she left the fair, changed back into her clothes, sat down in a bog and rubbed her face in it in order to get back to being dirty. Well, that's fine. That's her thing. I mean, that's how she prefers to be. So, you know, before she leaves the house every morning, she puts on her makeup, which happens to be rubbing her face in the dirt. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, everybody has their morning ritual, right? That's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, um, it, you know, in this scene with them tied to the tree, she pulls a shotgun. Is that a shotgun? Looks like a sawed yeah. off shotgun. Yeah. Double barreled shotgun. She pulls sawed that off. Yep. Pulls that out and takes Daryl away. She leads him to sort of a rocky cliff formation overlooking a valley full of of walkers and we're talking like thousands of zombies down there. Yep. It's a bona fide herd. It sure is. Alpha says that her people are among them and controlling them. And she admits to Daryl that she walked the streets of their communities. I wrote down Alexandria here, but that probably is supposed to say, uh, kingdom kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Daryl says that, you know, her people follow her because of her bullshit that she tells them. And she says, no, they follow me because I'm the alpha. <laughs> I'm number one. Uh-huh. And she says that next time your people cross into our land, this horde will cross into yours. Yeah. She's using this horde of zombies as a threat. And she also mentions uh, to Daryl that he will see their border to the north when he leaves. Yeah. It's marked. It is marked. Exactly. Uh, Michael in Ozark, Missouri writes, holy crap. Now that is a herd of walkers. It sure is. <laughs> and it sure is. Yeah. Well, back to, um, back to uh, uh, Kingdom and Alpha is in disguise, disguise confronting Lydia. So I guess she's taken her out of the movie theater. Um, Lydia says that the people here care about each other and she gives Alpha a chance to just walk away. She says, all I got to do is scream and, you know, someone will come for me. Um, she tells her just to go so that the king, the people of kingdom don't hurt her. And Alpha tries to explain that she isn't one of, or she says, you aren't one of us, meaning the whisperers, and you never were, right? She's basically rejecting her own daughter. Alpha turns and walks away and Lydia's kind of left crying. Yeah. It's, nor would nor would I want to be if if would be the answer I have. It's like you were never one of us. Like you're goddamn right. That's why I'm leaving. Stupid. Exactly. That's why you know <laughs> I'm here and I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. So commercial break and we come back to Daryl who is you know made his way to meet up with Carol Michonne and Yumiko who Alpha said you'd find on your way. Um. So he meets them. They hug and reunite. 
Uh, we go to a scene with Beta, who comes to Alpha in the woods. He asks about Lydia, but she says um, she just wants to be alone. And she's crying. She has mm-hmm. tears coming out of her eyes. She summons another whisperer over and just stabs him in the head and murders him. Yeah, because he saw her crying. Right. And yeah. that is not something the Alpha does. No, that, that poor schmuck uh, was in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's like, oh shit, I saw her crying. Yeah. I should just run. Right, exactly. Can't have any weakness shown. Yeah. Uh, Daryl and the group are coming out of the forest and they find Sadiq uh, sort of tied to a tree, obviously being beaten up. He points up the hill at something and they walk up the hill and approach a line of pikes in the ground across the ridge of this hill. And it's revealed to be a series of 10 severed heads on these sticks stuck in the ground. Yeah, they're a little more than severed heads. They're more zombified heads because they were still animated. They were. I mean, they're severed for sure, but they are... Oh, that's true. Their mouths moving and I guess maybe eyeballs moving a little bit. These are the heads of zombies. And it's revealed uh, to be Ozzy and Alec. So those are two highwaymen. Mm -hmm. Alec, we really just sort of saw in this episode, but we know Ozzy. We got DJ. Remember him, a former savior? Yep. Who's been around. We got Frankie, who's Negan's former wife, who I mentioned earlier. Tammy Rose, uh, Earl's... Um, wife and new mother to baby Adam. So maybe baby Adam is back. Oh, no, no. Uh, what's his, he had still had baby Adam. Yeah. Baby Adam is with, um, with Earl. We got Rodney, Addy, two of the teenagers that, uh, were hanging around Hilltop. Yep. Then we've got Enid, Tara, and finally Henry. Yeah, the first couple I had a hard time placing because uh, the context I had was these people had like hats and things. So yeah. it's hard to place, you know, like uh, Ozzy. I kind of figured it out after a little bit, but like lots of people have facial hair. So I'm like, who the hell's that? If he was wearing the hat, it would have been like, oh yeah, it's Ozzy. Right. But, so it took me a couple, of, uh, a couple of tries to figure out who all the people were. Yep. But uh, I did eventually. And uh, I'm really sad about Tara. And I'm really sad about Enid. Uh, Henry, I'm not so sad about. It's funny. Even I, though it's the, the most important one. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I was going to ask wise? you. I was, I was going to ask you that that very question. Um, I, I 100% agree. I'm not that sad about Henry. Mostly Enid and Tara. Um, yeah. You know, Everybody they, else is kind of bit, bit part. They've been around. Yeah, they've been around for a long time, those two. Um, and you know, Addie. I'm sad about Addie. True, but we didn't really have a big connection to Addie. Um, I recognized Ozzy. I had to figure out, I had to look up who Alec was. Uh, I didn't really know who that was at all. DJA, I recognized Frankie. Everyone else I did recognize, I guess. Maybe not Rodney immediately, but I got it pretty quick. Um, so while- And then we had flash, flash arounds. I don't know if they're flashbacks or flash forwards. We had flash arounds explaining who everybody else was. We, we did. That's right. So we see clips of their friends, you know, back at kingdom doing stuff or, you know, even in some cases sort of directly looking for them, 
you know it's like yeah. hey they were supposed to meet me here uh, have you seen them that kind of thing well that's nice that was nice as a as a viewer that uh, that's a good way to do it like instead of putting like signs underneath them of who they were <laughs> no i agree with you i think it was a very very clever way of doing it um uh and and it connected these people back to their friends pretty much yeah. right not that we really needed that extra emotional gut punch but they did it anyways and i think it was pretty yeah. effective um we do the scene though that kind of reveals that um maybe that henry might be there as we see lydia telling ezekiel that alpha was at the kingdom but she's gone now um so ezekiel knows what what's been going on or doesn't know exactly but you know he's he's being brought into the into the situation and just before so they're revealed slowly just before the reveal of henry's head before we even see it we see daryl run over to carol just yelling no 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 and he tells her to look at him instead yeah look uh, at the flowers well look at me instead of what you're about to see on that that pike there well, which is exactly the same as look at the flowers. You look at the flowers and don't look at the handgun pointed at your face. Oh. Like just, you know, pay attention to that thing. It's a good thing rather than paying attention to the bad thing that is about to happen to you. Yeah, I guess so. Um, how about the fact, though, that now Carol has had to deal with Sophia coming out of the barn, her biological daughter, and now Henry's head on a pike, her adopted yeah. son, and Daryl being the one there both times to like kind of catch her when she falls, sort of. Well, I didn't really think about that. The only thing I thought of now was, holy shit, are you a bunch of people in fucking trouble now? You've pissed off Carol. Like you've got her into the fray. She's going to cut her hair and she's coming after you. And uh, it's not going to be good for the whispers. No, I, I, I think you're probably right about that. This is kind of a situation where, you know, they have a herd but we've got a Carol. Yeah, we got a Carol. You don't. Yeah, you don't want you don't want to bring an alpha to a Carol fight or a, even a beta. No, I excuse me, a beta to a Carol fight. I I think you might be right about that, but I wasn't really thinking about that at the moment because I was thinking about poor Carol having to watch her both her children, you know, be revealed as dead and. Uh, and the way the two scenes paralleled each other, you know, having Daryl be there and he's in when Sophia came out of the barn, he's the one who like goes over and grabs her and they sort of collapse to the ground. They didn't actually fall down this time, but he did the same thing. Right. So, yeah, pretty crazy, well, pretty crazy, man. It, it is pretty crazy and pretty horrifying. And uh, the fact. OK, so they got these people out of the kingdom like they weren't traveling together. No. Right? They were all abducted from the kingdom. Yes. Uh, that must've been tricky. <laughs> you know, as I was, I watched this a few times and thought about it a lot as I was walking around and that is a pretty good question. How the hell did they manage to get them out for all we oh, know? But I've, I've gotten over that. How the hell did they get a fucking tiger into Alexandria? I don't know. Let's just go with it. Okay? Yeah. We got to, we've moved, we've, we've beat this horse before it's already dead. I was going to say for all we knew only Alpha was in the kingdom. She was the only one there. How could she get it, them out? It couldn't have been. It can't. Yeah, it couldn't have been. There could. There had. There must have been uh, a number of people sneaking. You know, uh, becoming di uh, discorporeal and like phasing through the walls <laughs> in order to grab people, and then uh, digging a tunnel out like little moles. Uh, there's no way 
that Alpha would have been able to do this by herself. No. She had an objective of, uh, you know, telling Lydia. And uh, it's so evil. Like, she goes to Lydia and says, I've come to get you. Or essentially, you know, come with me. And Lydia says, no, I'm not, I'm not going with you. And she's like, fine, you want to stay here? You know, I'm going to take what uh, you're staying here for. Yeah. Right. Like one of the, the reasons that she wanted to stay with and, and get away was that she's got this new boyfriend, which is probably is a draw towards these people. She's she took that away now. It's just such an insidiously evil thing to do. Alpha is insanely evil. Um, but you're right. I, I hadn't thought about it like that, where she's like, Fine, if you want to stay here, you're staying for these people. I'm taking the people. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, no matter what you lose. Right. And these people are going to know that the reason that these people that they love are dead and their heads are on a pike, uh, marking our border is because of you. So they're going to resent you. You've never been one of us, but you're never going to be one of them either. Oh my God. It's so, it's so fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. And oh, it's ill-conceived. Lord. Like Alpha threatens to, you know, she's like, I don't want anything from you. Let's just stay apart. And then she throws down the gauntlet with uh, killing 10 people uh, and putting their heads on pikes to, to mark the border. That's just escalating the situation. That doesn't diffuse anything. Like she's pissed off and she's escalating and it's just asking for trouble. So Alpha's not the smartest, uh, you know, tool in the toolbox. But she's definitely the most evil. She's definitely the evilest apple on the tree. Yeah. It's the shiniest apple on the tree, but with evil substituted for shiny, in case you were wondering. I got it. Yeah. Wow. Well, I thought it was pretty nuts. I mean, I, I, I won't say too much, but I, I knew we were building to this scene because something similar happened in the comics and I have read past oh. that point. Um, so I, I kind of knew this was coming, but that didn't take away any of the impact I thought it had on the show. And that impact was immense for me anyways. Tis. Um, I will say one thing, and that is that between the characters in the comic and the characters on the TV show, only one head was the same. That is... Pretty, pretty remarkable, actually. And... Ozzy? Uh... Well, I'm not, I'm not going to get into who it is because oh, that's okay. a little more spoilery. You'll tell me later. I'll tell you later. Sure. Um, and, and I think that's remarkable, but also, um, <laughs> what's his name? Scott M. Gimple was talking about that and he said, you know, it couldn't have been all the same or, or even some of the same because of the butterfly effect. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, you know, a, a little change in season two and another little change in season three and four. And then they all accumulate into a very different set of circumstances, even though we're doing a similar scene means that different characters are there on the TV show as we're there in the comic. So right. I kind of like we, that. I was laughing after that because we did exactly the same thing that we uh, called up the television show for doing. It's just like, well, I'll tell you later. Jump cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> The, so, only re the only reason I'm doing that is because I don't want to talk about more, spoil the comic anymore for anyone. So. Well, yeah. Well, why would Sadiq want to spoil the surprise for Michonne either, right? It's like, I've got a surprise for you and I'm not going to tell you what it is until later. Jump cut. Well, God, Sadiq could barely even like talk. Like he was. He it was, was breathtakingly obvious as well. It was like, well, I need practice with children. It's oh. like, well, why is that? Well, I'm going to tell you later. It's like, well, I already fucking know because I'm not a moron. Sorry, you were talking about that. I thought you meant when they found Sadiq tied to the tree here. Oh, no, not Sadiq. 
down to the side of the tree. He could barely get a word out in that. So, well, speaking of Sadiq, we, we fade to black in the head pike scene and we come back up and it's later. We are back at the kingdom and Sadiq is on the stage speaking to everyone and telling them basically what happened. He said he was supposed to die with everyone, but Alpha let him live to tell this story of evil. And instead, he wants to tell a different story. And he talks about how they were taken, this group of people from, uh, from Kingdom, and that the highwaymen found them and, you know, fought back. And they all fought back. They defended each other, sacrificed for each other. And he says their time was cut short, but the rest of them have to keep on going and to remember them as heroes. And he says, that's the story I want ever I want to tell you, not the one of unspeakable evil. Yeah, it's not unspeakable evil. It's, you know, people coming together and fighting together as a family against uh, a an external foe. Right. It's very uh, it's very apt. It, it is. And um, uh, Avi Nash. Uh, holy crap, what a great job, you yep. know, to, to get up there and deliver these lines. So pretty amazing stuff. Uh, and so while he's telling this story, we kind of see it play out. We see everyone who's, who's tied up in a barn sort of thing somewhere. Um, and then the highwaymen show up and we see them fighting back and everything, which just added to it for me. I thought, you know, hearing about it is one thing. Um, seeing it is, is another, Yeah, you know, um, my favorite shot in the whole thing was Enid when she gets up with a knife. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> My favorite as well. That was uh, an amazing final shot for that character. Very, very cool. Um, and then at the end of it, we see Alpha approach too and just Henry staring her in the face and then that's it. Yeah. That's all we see. Her face fight. was only somewhat dirty at that point. Like she didn't, she didn't have a chance to put on her full bog makeup. That's a good point. Uh, by she, that point. Yeah. She had only partially got it back on. Uh, we fade to black again, and but we return and we have Daryl and Lydia at the pikes, which are still on the ground, but there are no heads on them now. And they go up to the one that Henry was on, and she takes off uh, the necklace, which that which has one of those H pogs on it, and she places it down by Henry's pike. They walk away, and as the camera focuses tight in on the necklace on the ground. We see some snowflakes start to fall onto Winter's it. here. Winter has been coming all episode, and now it's here. Which is the first time we've seen a snowflake in this show. First time we've ever seen a snowflake. First time we have ever had any kind of winter, you know, uh, weather system at all. Yep. So uh, maybe the next uh, episode will be covered in snow. Well, this is a case where I have seen the previews for next week, and there might be some snow. All right, cool. <laughs> Snow is really good for a fight scene because it really shows off the blood. It really does. It's like wearing white shirts. When you know, when you see somebody wearing a white shirt in a, in a television show or movie, you know they're going to get blood on it. No matter what. That's why they're wearing the white shirt. That's right. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so there you go. Uh, the second to last episode for season nine is done, and we had 10 character deaths. Ten. 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 Some of them more consequential than others, I won't lie, but that's a well, lot of people. 
It depends on how we've had more than 10. Like we had the four people that were in the cart as well. So they were semi-characters. Yeah. Uh, so it depends on how you count them. Because you, know, you can't count the, the 10 people on the pikes because we've known them before. Because one of the highwaymen, we only really saw this episode anyway. Okay, So they're the right. same as the people in the in the cart. So we'd have to go. I think I have, we have to go with 14. I think we have to go with 14. And um, would you say that how many of them were... Notable as main characters, Tara, Enid, Three. Henry, and well, Tara and Henry. Like Henry's been a big part of this episode, this season, right? He has, yeah. So I would go Tara and Henry. Enid, she was kind of promoted to a kind of she was a minor-ish character up until this recently, maybe last season too. Oh, like last season, this season. Yeah, she counts. She was a series regular. And, okay, all right. And I feel like she's just been around long enough. That she counts. I, I go okay. at least three major characters. Uh, yeah, I, I would. I would say. Yeah, I would go with two or three. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll include your three. Well, since I talk about Enid being a spy so much, which I'm willing to start thinking that she might not be a spy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if that helps. <laughs> uh, yeah, anymore. Okay. Well, quite the thing. Uh, let's do uh, another series of holy crap moments here before we wrap up. You know, they're all related to the same thing here at the end, as you might guess. I would, but, I would think so. Yeah. Uh, first off, Maria in Germany says, holy crap, winter is coming, which we've covered. Yep. Which will be exciting. It's true. Um, Elizabeth in Newcastle, UK writes, holy crap. Did you see how they faked us out at every turn about who was going to bite it in this episode? I knew something awful would happen. And every time a character had a quote unquote moment, I thought, oh crap, they're dead. So I was on the edge of my seat and worried throughout. Great stuff. Yeah. Really good. You know who's somebody I was especially worried about, Jason? No. Jerry. Jerry? Well, think about it. He had his like moment playing. Well, he had his moment with the doves at the beginning of the episode. And then we saw him like playing horsey with the kids, you know, and I'm like, oh, poor Jerry. He is so toast. If anyone's head is going to end up on a spike, it's going to be Jerry. Oh, you see, you knew what was going on. Like I didn't know about the heads on a pike until I saw some heads on a pike. Right. I know you did. So, so yeah, but so I wasn't as worried. I, I thought that maybe somebody would die before the end of the season, mm -hmm. possibly, but you knew something like this was happening where there was going to be 10 heads on a fucking pike. Yeah, I did. I knew okay. the pikes were coming. I knew that's what we were building too. And so I'm with Elizabeth. I started to realize throughout this episode that Boy, oh boy. A lot of characters are getting lines that- Okay, so happened. I didn't know that that many people were on the chopping block. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So it's a different experience for you. It is. Um, which is interesting. It's a reason that I have recently sort of, um, not even on purpose, but stopped reading the comics. I went and picked up all the recent issues that my lo local comic book store keeps on file for me. And yep. I realized I hadn't been there in 11 months because there were 11 issues to pick up. And they still kept your pull list? Yeah. Yeah, there was, nice. all, it was all there. Um, if you had one at that store before you moved away, they might still have yours. <laughs> Which should, would be weird. That'd be weird. Anyways. Oh, because fucking I'd get all my back issues of The Walking Dead too. Yeah. Like all 70. Yeah. Or how many uh, past 100? Where are we? Uh, we're at 170 yeah, something. I got them here. Okay, I just can't yeah. reach them. I'm afraid. I can't afford that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I had 11. I had to spend like 65 bucks or something. Uh, anyways, 
I've I'm not and I'm not going to read them like which seems stupid. I know I'm still collecting them, but I'm I'm going to read them like later on, maybe once the show is past the point or something like that, right. uh, because although, you know, knowing that these pikes were coming up, I kind of wish I didn't. And I've I've felt that feeling before in the last couple of years. So I've decided to stop. Yeah. The last thing I knew what was going to happen was that uh, uh, Negan was going to kill Glenn. Uh, right. And that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah. So uh, spoil, spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> no, not, not in this case. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah. So whenever, when I saw Frankie get a line and when I saw Jerry, I mean, Jerry's a more prominent character, but I thought, you know, the kid scene, I thought maybe was it. Um, and just, you know, the teenagers getting lines again, I all started to think, oh, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And it, you know, it was a lot of Well, them, you kind of told me that the highwaymen are going to be toast well, the before the end of the season. I, I don't the highwaymen are even in the comics. So, uh, yeah, well, you thought it was weird that they would be introduced this late in the, in the game. And you thought that maybe it was just a, a kind of a short lived thing. Right. Turns out. I guess you were right. It was. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, happy Jack and Victoria BC writes, holy crap. Enid isn't a spy. Anymore. <laughs> happy Jack <laughs> is not the only guy to mention this, Jason. A few people did bring it up and, I'll be honest with you. I think we'll have more on this topic on our feedback show later this week. Yeah, probably. So, uh, and we should batch them up. Just exactly. Keep that in mind. Yeah. We'll just go with an infographic rather than actually reading all the, uh, the comments of uh, Jason's wrong. Enid's not a spy. It's like, well, in this season, we are getting more and more flashbacks, right? Right. So there's no reason to think that we can't get an Enid flashback indicating her sp- buying for somebody. <laughs> I don't even know who anymore. Yeah. Well, let's, we'll see what happens uh, later this week with the feedback. <laughs> Never underestimate my ability to stick to my guns and uh, maintain a, a line of, uh, uh, I don't even know how to, how to phrase it. Just maintain a line of stubbornness. <laughs> yeah. Line of stubbornness that uh, cannot be dissuaded. Right. Even though I am willing to admit when I'm wrong. If there's evidence to point to the fact that I'm wrong. I don't think there's enough evidence yet. Fair enough. Jack on the internet writes, holy crap, how the fuck did all those people get whisked away? I'm sure some blanks will be filled in, but it just kind of seems odd that so many would be snatched away so easily. Uh, yeah. Yeah, which we talked about. I wonder if they will fill in some of those blanks. Yeah, that's why I think that phasing, much like... Uh, uh, vision <laughs> right. from the MCU can do. He can just kind of phase through walls and stuff. I assume they have that kind of ability. Uh, correct. They must. Yeah. And um, uh, who's the character from the X-Men that can do that again? Ellen Page played her? Uh, Kitty Pride. Yes. She goes through walls too, right? Yeah, she can. Yeah, cool. Uh, all right. Sean on the internet writes, Alpha is just plain awful. Holy crap. The red shirt couple at the beginning was heartbreaking. It gives a hell of a lot more poignancy to see the little backstory anniversary subplot. It doesn't feel like an empty death, just another person who needs to be avenged. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, Heather in Kansas City, Missouri writes, Holy crap, did you see how strategic those kills were? The Hilltop's leader and doctor, that would be Tara and Enid, the woman who adopted the Whisperer baby, that of course is Tammy, Yep. And the rest almost all had something to do with Henry or Lydia. 
damn, we haven't seen so many deaths of main characters in a really long time. I really was shocked they took Terra and Enid. I was totally expecting to see Gabriel or Rosita up there instead. Carol's reaction really made me tear up, and boy, oh boy, did Henry's zombie face look a lot like Sophia's. Which, to be honest, isn't that surprising, because he's her real-life brother. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the guy who plays Henry is the real life brother of uh, Madison Lintz, who played who played Sophia and th- their younger brother played younger Henry. So four out of or three out of the four kids of that family have all played characters on the show. Right. That's funny. Which is funny. I think they well, should. Well, I mean, in fact, and, and in fact, they're all dead now in the show. All their characters are dead, even though two of them played the same character, that same character is dead. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. But somehow they need to work in, there's, there's. I looked them, I looked at the family, there's a fourth kid, an, an older oh. a daughter, uh, the, an eldest daughter, I think. They need to work her in somehow just to say they had the whole family on. That's true. They should do that. That's a good idea. Uh, right. And then the parents and grandparents, you bring the whole clan in. That's fine. Yeah, apparently background, background. That's fine. Apparently, their mother was an actress as well, or is an actress, so she could do it. Why not? Oh, let's let's bring them all in. Let's get uh, let's get all the lincesses in there. <laughs> the many lincesses. Uh, where am I? Cindy in Columbus, Ohio writes, "Holy crap! I was right. They gave a name to one of the highwaymen, and he died." Seriously, though, I'm in tears right now. I always liked Tara, and I feel bad now for hating on Henry so much. Don't. Yeah, I don't feel that bad either. <laughs> You know, he's not really dead. He's just an actor, and that's just a fake hit. Well, so you sure. don't have to feel bad. But you're you're supposed to feel bad for the character. And oh, I see. I yes. I, I do for Tara and Enid. Uh, Chelsea in Boston, Massachusetts says, "Holy crap." Can we talk about how absolutely stunning the music was in that ending scene? It absolutely moved me to tears. I thought Negan's first scene was the most shocking of the show, but I think this takes the cake. Poor Carol. Time to kick some alpha ass. Oh yeah, she's coming back in a big way. She's got assault rifles, I'm sure, hidden in a box somewhere. Fully loaded and ready to go. Ready to go. I I think you might be right. Uh, But the music. um, I read... Uh, I read Chelsea's message here before I watched the episode for a third time. So I paid attention to the music that third time. It is absolutely beautiful and, uh, you know, a a fantastic job by Bear McCreary, who's still doing the music for this show after all these years. Awesome. I I didn't really notice the music. It's it's very nice. It's very... That happens to me all the time. For being a musician, I'm surprisingly uninterested in music. (laughs) Shockingly. That is sort of strange, but if you do go back, it's it's amazing music, and it, it really adds to the scene. Finally, Josh on the internet writes, Holy crap, that's just brutal. This bugged me more than Negan killing Glenn. Lots of people who always felt like they should have been killed in earlier seasons finally got caught up with. Now, I must admit, I'm not quite sure which side Josh is falling on here based on what he wrote, if he thinks that this was you know, brutal in its evilness and brutality and therefore just shocking and amazing. Or if he's saying that this is like brutal bad because they just killed a bunch of characters that have been hanging around too long anyways and should have been killed off a long time ago. Sorry, Josh, I'm not quite sure. We got got three things going on here. Okay. 
uh, as far as uh, you know, potential brutal. So we have the uh, the Negan situation has two aspects to it. It has the uh, the frustration and angst we feel at an evil character doing an evil thing. We have that now in this uh, in, with the whispers in Alpha. We have such frustration over her pure evilness and how she's wronged uh, our group of good guys, and we want to see retribution. So that that aspect, uh, I can see that. Uh, Negan killing Glenn and Abraham was brutal visually in that we saw the beating and it uh, they showed us the, uh, the, the killing of these two important characters. We didn't see the killing. Well, we did. We saw the end fight, but it was done in the stylized way that wasn't uh, meant to be brutal. It was meant to be inspiring that they were fighting together and that they went down in the glorious last stand. Correct. Right. So it was kind of phrased visually. It was phrased differently. So uh, I agree that this was uh, this was absolutely brutal in the fact that uh, we have a level of frustration with Alpha and we want to see her ass kicked like royally, and we want Carol in the fight because mm-hmm. Carol's got to cut her hair and come back, uh, you know, eye of the tiger uh, kind of thing. She's going to, she's so going to kick ass now. Uh, but I don't think we, we didn't get the brutality of the killing of uh, Abraham and Glenn by Negan visually. No, we definitely didn't. Um, but but I'm, I'm, what I meant is I'm just not sure if Josh means this was like that kind of thing, or if this was brutal storytelling, like he's calling out the show for doing, for maybe not going far enough or oh. choosing characters that, that don't have, you know, they had to pick 10 characters. So you're not going to ch- kill off 10 like main central characters. Yeah. You're not going to get Carol and, and, uh, and, and Daryl and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of people like, and then in the, in the King, yeah, we're not going to get uh, and Henry. Not we did get Henry, but we knew Henry. Henry was kind of coming, right? Right. So I guess you did, but well, I, um, I had hopes, but I didn't. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't know ahead. Henry. I didn't know it was going to be Henry for reasons. But uh, uh, um, yeah, like if it was just brutal storytelling, I'm not sure if that's what Josh meant. But where you started to go there, like imagine if it was Tara, Enid, um, Carol, Daryl. Rosita, Eugene, King Ezekiel, Sadiq. That's seven. I mean, well, that's how you end the show, right? That's not how you, <laughs> right. you know, you know, kick off a plot line. No, you're right. Imagine that's right. You you'd have to kill Michonne. You know, I mean, that would be crazy. We have ten primary characters in this uh, in this show, and they can't kill them all. They can hardly kill any of them if we want to continue the show. Because if they killed off Carol and Daryl and Ezekiel and uh, that would be the end, and Michonne, that'd be the end of the show, right? Right. You you can't you can't really continue from that. You know, there's nobody left. So uh, I think yeah. the mix. Even though Jerry could get his own show, if Jerry survived, we could probably just roll into that, and we'd be probably we'd be fine for a little while. Yeah, probably for a little while. But um, I think with the mix we got was was pretty solid. There were a few in there that really hit home, and then. You know, a bunch of others that uh, are important, but not so much. Yeah. And at least Henry is going to move the plot forward. Yes, that's right. Henry is the linchpin to all of this to to really bring Carol into the fight. You know, we thought just Alpha, like kidnapping Henry or maybe him being stuck with them for a while was enough and she'd come after it. 
Yeah. He's now had his head decapitated and stuck on a pike in the ground. That is, you know, that's that's that, the thing that's, right that's there. That's throwing down the gauntlet. Like, what the hell is Alpha thinking? Her planning is just horrible. Well, she just... She's an idiot. She's just inciting uh, conflict. Yeah, I I think maybe she doesn't realize, though, that's what she's done. She doesn't know from Carol, so... She doesn't want to be left alone. She wants a war. Well, she's started one, I think. Yeah. Uh, but we first might have to deal with winter. I don't know. We'll see what happens next week. Ah, you could fight people in winter. I guess you can, yeah. And as you said, you can see the blood even more. Oh, yeah. It's going to make some awesome bloody scenes. They still have guns, right? They're just not using them because they need to save them. Uh, they're, well, they're, there are some guns around, it seems like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you remember when Daryl and uh, and Rick were chasing after that guy with the big penis gun? That thing's probably still <laughs> kicking around somewhere. They could find some ammo for that. Yeah, I forgot all about that thing. Yeah, and then you could take down all kinds of uh, whispers with a big penis gun. That would be amazing. And we know we have a herd of a thousands of zombies down in that valley so that's yeah. that's a thing too holy moly like in that and they're all clustered together right now so like uh 15 or 20 well-placed molotov cocktails would take care of that right away well it, i mean i i you're you might be right but also it just means instead of a giant herd of zombies in a valley now you have a giant herd of zombies in a valley that are on fire and yeah eventually they okay, would yeah, the, the brains that. would burn but for a while there it's a pretty Stressful situation, I think. <laughs> well, that depends, right? <laughs> like, these zombies are probably all pretty old now. Like, the water has really gone out of their yeah. out of their systems, yeah, right? Yeah. They're not fresh zombies. No. They're, you know, ugly bags of mostly water. They're, they're like dried up husks. They probably, like, go up like tinder. Yeah, you're probably right. I still think it would be pretty insane for a while to have them all be on fire. Yeah, but there's a good place to launch that, right? Like, if you set them all on fire, they'd be wandering around on fire. Be like, fine, I'm way up here on the edge of this cliff. You're on fire. I can just watch. <laughs> That's a nice, warm zombie <laughs> bonfire down there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone got any hot dogs? <laughs> all right. Well, quite the episode, Jason, but the season is not over yet. We've still got episode 16 coming up next week. And uh, I feel like what they've done here is they've given us like the big climax in the second last episode. And then next week is going to be a little bit about the fallout from this, but also the setup for what's to come in season 10. Yeah. I mean, uh, Carol's going to cut her hair and put on her armor and grab her assault rifle and uh, get ready to go. If she actually does cut her hair, I'm going to, I don't know, commend you on your ability to predict things because I think, I think they she, set it up. They I spent it, the whole season setting it up. I think it would be awesome if she did cut her hair and that's like the signal that she's back, you know, not that she's ever gone anywhere, but you know what I mean? But I just think you've, you've talked about it so much. If she actually cuts her hair and goes back to short hair, Carol, it's going to be one of those moments that I don't know, is just amazing. I feel like in uh, you predicting the show. Well, I hope so too, but you know, I've been wrong before. I've been wronger before. Oh, totally. Uh, but it makes sense and I look forward to it coming to pass. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, so that's that. That is uh, The Walking Dead Season 9, Episode 15. It was quite the thing. Um, 
this episode is high, high on my list of favorites, I think. It was good. It was really good. I, I mean, I'm sure I nitpicked the shit out of it, but uh, I really enjoyed this episode. But after the first viewing, I couldn't think of anything wrong with it. I was thought it was, you know, everything was great. Mm-hmm. And uh, it actually, uh, it helped me feel that the Whispers were a threat. Right. Right. Because they have this big fucking herd now. So they have the, uh, uh, they have the stick. That's their stick. Don't come into my territory uh, and you stay in yours. Yeah. And then I guess the uh, 10 heads on a pike were the carrot. It's like, well, here's the incentive, the good thing. And it just seems like two sticks and that doesn't really work very well. You should have a carrot and a stick and not two sticks. <laughs> but right. uh, it, it helped me with, uh, with the whispers being more of a threat than I've seen them in the past because now I know they have this big fucking zombie herd. Sure. And you may... I mean, you may still not kind of get their their whole thing, but they can obviously do some pretty bad stuff when they want to. And yeah, well, and since now, now that I know they can phase through walls, uh, you know, they really are dangerous. <laughs> right. That makes anybody dangerous. Maybe, do they, how do they get in? How do they get out? How do they kidnap these people? Did they, I guess they all washed their faces and then made them dirty again later because they all had to blend in. I, they must be. Wash their hair and then went swimming in a bog afterwards. I don't know. It's really weird. And do you think they named that guy Miles after me? Uh, probably, so? yeah. They must have. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I think they, so too. They must have. <laughs> We've now had your son and you on the show name namesake anyways. Well, they didn't. Well, did they have Jasper or did they just have Axel? No, ja- was Jasper, Jasper was, well, no, there was, there was no character named Jasper. They, but Daryl found Jasper on the road. Oh yeah, right. Remember? Yeah, yeah. That came before Jasper was born, so... Um, you had mentioned the name, it was on the show, and then you named your son that. Yeah. It's all very, uh, it's all a rich tapestry. It's all a rich tapestry. And when your son is all grown up, you can tell him the story of how we used to do this thing called the podcast. And that's not where I came up with it though. I've had D and D characters named Jasper and I've named video games Jasper. That name has been rattling around in my head for 35 years. Right. But the fact that you mentioned it here influenced the show. And, oh, right. uh, but that's not, it's not the show that caused me to name him that. No, no, no. That's where I wasn't saying. That's not where I was going. Anyways, right. uh, good times and a uh, great episode. I was going to say it's high on my list of favorites and, um, and let's, let's see what happens next week. Holy moly. Yep. In the meantime, though, of course, we have our feedback show on, uh, Thursday later this week. So send in your comments and thoughts and feelings about that. Uh, I already have quite a bit, but. Send it in, send, keep sending it in if you are listening and you have something to say. We'll be doing that on Thursday. Um, and uh, the best way to do that is to email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you'd like to record a voicemail, you can do that with your voice memo app on your phone and then email it or visit the website talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail at the top and you should be able to just record a voicemail straight into your computer and it will come to me. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Um, this episode generated a lot more comments than uh, recent times on my what did you think of this week's episode post from Sunday night. Awesome. I, think, I think there was over 100, you know, that evening. So quite a few. Uh, so there may be some feedback in there that I, that I take a look at. Um, to include on Thursday. What I'm trying to say is that uh, I have a daunting task ahead of me in the next 48 hours to go through all the feedback and try to organize it. 
Awesome. So there you go. I believe in you, Chris. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, okay. So that's going to do it. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Does that mean that your name is conditional on until next time? Until next time, my name is Chris. And then after that, it's going to be something else. It might be something else. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Great.